people don't want to spend even 2 seconds trying to get to know somebody before they reject them why you know can we stop this can we get people to be a bit more open and curious to try and find out about the other person before they decide whether they can do anything with this person right Hey everybody, what's good? Welcome back to the Next Move podcast. And if this is your first time on the show, we're a podcast that shares the strategies, stories and tools behind people who are making an impact in their field. And today I have Priyanka Bharadwaj with me, who's the founder of Marriage Broker Aunty. And as the name suggests, she's a relationship coach. And for me, relationships in India have always been a really interesting thing. I just moved back to India 2 years ago and the whole idea of arranged marriages versus love marriages which you know to anybody not from india is just your typical modern marriage just based off of dating the, the whole idea of arranged marriages has been foreign to me and i've always wondered how they work and in some cases growing up in indian communities abroad i've always wondered you know how do they actually work better and it, it because it for some reason it just doesn't sink in with me so i want to understand the whole process of arranged marriages and i also want to to talk with uh, priyanka about if if there's someone who's looking to get a little bit more serious how would she coach them and how would she work with them what are some of the exercises that she would do to get them ready to find that person so if you're looking to get a little bit more serious with your life i think you're definitely going to want to stay tuned to the end because we're going to get into some of those concrete actionable things. I know I gave a little bit of an introduction but could you give a little bit more of a background into who you are and what you do? I'm Priyanka, I'm based in Bangalore. I run uh, Marriage Procranti which is essentially uh, what I'd like to call a a matrimonial advisory business. Um what this means is I help people with the decision of finding themselves a life partner through the arranged marriage process. That is primarily what I do. Um I don't have a, a background in psychology or coaching. Uh I'm an engineer and a business graduate by uh education. Um until last year I used to work with Amazon as a senior product manager. But I've been running Marriage Procranti now for about 8 years and I worked with clients who are primarily Indian, you know, born in India but live all over the world. Or primarily uh you know mostly very well educated people with uh, very eclectic interests and um, i work with them on helping them figure out how to choose a life partner so so you're at amazon and um what wh- what's the kind of thought process to to help people get married was there something that happened in your life that kind of said you know i i want to help people get to this point or what what was the genesis of it right uh yeah it mostly started by chance way back in 2013 where i just you know um ended up setting up two friends of mine at work they ended up getting married then um i decided to you know do more of this and i set up a facebook page and i started talking to lots of people um trying trying to introduce them to each other and so on but in the process i got really interested in how people think um and how people make these decisions where they struggle and you know uh what kind of advice that i've given them that kind of helped unlock something inside of them uh, that allowed them to take things forward uh so the more i did this i started to realize i'm really interested and passionate and to some extent good at what i do uh, so that's that's when it really started becoming a little bit more concrete i would say it's only from 2016 that this started having some sort of a form uh, 
that resembles what it is today. And uh, so, so I, I was going to go down a different topic of, you know, finding out about marriage and I think we'll, we'll get to that, but I first want to know, so you're saying you're, you just had a knack for putting people together and it worked with your f- first few friends. Wh- what is it about, um, like, w- what are the kind of qualities and things you look for when you're trying to get people together? I'm actually going to correct you. I, I don't think I had a knack for it. I think okay. I just got really lucky. Uh, <laughs> I tried this once and it worked for me uh, because I do believe this process is quite random. Um, um, you're either lucky or not. I, like, I, I wouldn't say I have a knack for it. What I do have a knack for is being able to understand people. Um, and so that was really helpful in helping guide people while making these decisions when someone comes to you and is like hey priyanka you know i'm i'm looking for some help i'm i have no clue what i'm doing i keep getting in relationships it's not working um what what are the kind of first things you ask them to to get them on their journey i guess to something more serious got it um so what i normally do is i uh, kind of uh, listen to their entire story, um, every single relationship, uh, going back right to the beginning, uh, where we start to sort of um, pick out themes that really stood out in every single relationship and we just lay it out there um, so that the person can start to see a pattern on their own. Um, I don't necessarily advise or coach them at that point. It is almost like me helping them put all the cards out there so that they can see it for themselves. So we start to um, analyze patterns. And a lot of times people do have patterns that they bring from you know, their own childhood, the, their relationship with their parents, relationship with their siblings, relationship between their parents that they've observed. So they start to bring all of those things into their relationships and they start to notice that there is a strong sort of pattern uh, to things. So the first step is really trying to help them become more self-aware to understand why they do what they do and where it comes from and how that can manifest itself in relationships. This really sets a great foundation for them to be aware of what is most important to them and how do they work around those things to find themselves um, what I like to call a healthy and a nurturing relationship. And uh, just just as a framing question, are, are most of your clients men or women, or is it pretty even? It's pretty even. In, in that case, are there common patterns or thought processes or things that you've seen among your clients that have been challenges, or is it completely unique for every single person? I mean, there are a few pretty sort of broad themes that I, that I tend to see. Uh, to just name a few, right? There, um, there are a lot of, let's say, boundaries that are very unclear between children and parents. Um, parents tend to be a little bit controlling sometimes, don't allow children to express themselves. And that either manifests itself as a you know, rebellious behavior or it's almost, um, it, or, or it's almost like where you're really meek and you don't take control of a situation because you're so controlled. And you start to notice those patterns manifest itself in the way they approach relationships. Uh, another common theme that I see a lot um, is um, either with 
second siblings or like, you know, um, second children rather, second children who are always kind of fighting for attention at home from parents where the first child uh, appears to have a lot more attention from the parents. So you can see those second children acting up in a way that they want to seek attention, they want to feel important, they want to be allowed to have an opportunity to say something. So you can start to see those patterns in relationships. And when you make people aware of them and you say, hey, this is you um, and it's okay to be you and we work around it, people feel a lot more comfortable with who they are. And once you're comfortable with who you are, it becomes easier for you to make someone else feel comfortable with you, right? I, I, I agree. And I want to dive into the first one that you talked about, which was, which was parents, because right. I think so many people struggle with this. I, I've, I've talked to so many people, people I work with, I know someone who's struggling right now with, they want to marry someone, but their parents are saying no. Why, why are Indian parents so damn invested in their kids' marriage, like more so than them? Right. Yeah, I mean, this is a problem that I deal with um, on a day-to-day -day basis because I have lots of parents who call me uh, talking to me about their kids, uh, who they want to get married, but they don't necessarily allow me to have a conversation with these children because the parents feel like they know what's best for the children and so on. Um, I think it's just, you know, India and Indian culture. We, we, as I said, you know, I don't think we have very clear boundaries within the families in terms of who can do what with the other person. Everybody is always in each other's nose and that's just part of who we are, where we support and be there for each other. And when it comes to parenting, um, unlike the Western countries, I think in India, parents feel responsible for their children much, much longer. Uh, like they don't really know where to draw the line. Unlike in the West where, you know, you go off to college and then you're on your own, like, you know, your parents don't necessarily hover around you, right? Whereas in India, I think the boundary is very unclear. Uh, Although I see that off late, parents are trying to back off, trying to allow their children to make this decision. But I do believe it's a very slow transition because um, you don't really know how to do it, right? You don't know, you're also afraid, you have this uh, guilt of not taking responsibility for your children that you're battling with because that's social conditioning that you're still holding on to. Um, so I think because of that, we're in a sort of transition phase, hopefully uh, moving towards a more sort of Western model where parents and kids have clear boundaries, right? Yeah, and I think um, the only thing about the West is I think the divorce rates are much higher. So I guess like <laughs> some, some sort of middle ground, but you know, so, so let's say, let's say I was someone and my parents are telling me like, look, oh, you have to marry this exact person with this background, with this, um, and I'm like, no, I don't want to. What, what would you tell to tell me if, if I came to you with that kind of problem? How should I deal with my parents? Well, it's a long process. Um, it, it, you know, it doesn't start and end with telling them who you want to marry or who you don't. It's about beginning to draw those boundaries with your parents with respect to everything, right? They, like if you live with them or, you know, you talk to them two, three times a day, even if you don't live with them, uh, you're not exactly going to be in a position where you can tell them, hey, you know, I don't want to get married to this person. And they're never going to understand because, you know, those boundaries are just not there. 
So it's a slow process where you really bring them on board and say, hey, this is who I am and this is who I've become because of these circumstances in my life. I think this is where we diverge and this is where you have to allow me space. And it's a long drawn out, I would say at least a two, three year process. <laughs> I don't think it can happen overnight um, unless you, know, you wanna walk off from them and be like, I'm marrying whoever I want. You guys can either come or not. Um, but normally when I find that when people are either young or people are much older, I do ask them to take the time to, to go through this process with their parents so that it's not painful for either party to grow apart because you're obviously going to invest a lot more time and effort into this new relationship and your parents are gonna feel neglected suddenly and that's going to give rise to a lot more sort of issues and things like that. So these are things you need to deal with very carefully. Um, this is especially something that I would tell Indians because it affects us quite differently from people in the West. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting to me because f from like a very, from my perspective, it's like, I would just say, you know, dude, like leave me alone, but it's, it's so much more complex here yeah. within these kind of nuclear families. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a really tough problem that people deal with and <laughs> two to three years is a long time. But I guess yeah, yeah. You have to put in that kind of investment. No, so I think even 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 from their perspective, right? Even from perspective of parents, um, I think it's not easy, right? You you um, for all these years, you know, you've seen your parents or you know their parents and so on, who've kind of taken all these decisions. They've taken responsibility for those decisions for you and so on. Uh, to suddenly sort of back off because your kids are saying, you know, leave me alone or like, you know. <laughs> let me do my thing. Um, you can't simply pull back, although you want to support your child because you're still somehow dealing with the guilt of not being there for them in case something goes wrong. Uh, because at the end of the day, you do feel responsible for their safety, emotional, physical, everything, right? So it is quite tough even, even for parents to deal with it, um, which, is why, which is why it should be a slow and a long drawn out process that should start pretty early in life when you're like 16, 17, so that they have enough time uh, to cope with, you know, these changes so that they don't get involved in your life, you know, once you are in a relationship. And, and then there's those, um, you know, I've, I've heard you talk about this on, on different podcasts as well as in your YouTube channel, which anybody who's looking to get some advice on relationships, you should go to her channel. I'll link it in the show notes below. But so I've heard you talk about like, the caste system and horoscopes and horoscope matching, which is, I, I would love for you to explain because I found it really yeah. interesting. How, how prevalent is, is that kind of stuff still today? And again, yeah. if someone's in that situation where it's just, it's not a match, what do you, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think two separate things. So let me, let me first uh, maybe talk about horoscope matching, right? Because it's a pretty, predominant feature, uh, you know, with respect to arranged marriages. Um, I personally don't believe in it or endorse horoscope-based matching, but I understand why it started how many ever years ago, right? Because you're, you're, you're somehow using the horoscope as a proxy to give you some sort of a guarantee that this relationship would be successful because you don't know much about the two people the two people haven't had an opportunity to talk get to know each other be compatible whatever 
So there's this piece of paper that says, actually guys, you know, go ahead with this because this is going to work out and you're going to hold on to that and go with it, right? It's the fear of unknown because of which people said, okay, let's do this horoscope matching thing. But today, when people have so much opportunity to date, get to know each other, even in the arranged marriage construct, right? Um, I don't see a need to still obsess over horoscope. Um, whether, whether it's true or not is a completely different thing, right? Like I'm, that's a different topic. But all I am saying is you have an opportunity to take a more calculated decision uh, apart from trusting a piece of paper that you don't completely understand because most people don't even understand how horoscope matching works. Um, could, could you explain it? Because I, honestly, I, I don't know. I've, I've heard the concept of what horoscopes are, but I, I don't even know. So could you, could you break it down right. a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert, uh, but what I understand from uh, whatever I've understood based on conversations and a little bit of reading is, um, so what they do is based on the position of, you know, um, the, the stars of when you were born, your birth chart is made and they two, take two birth charts and they sort of, you know, bring it together and they draw up a matching score, which is out of 36 points and there are different number of points given to different aspects, uh, things like uh, your romantic relationship, money matters, uh, children, and so on, uh, where they give you a score for each aspect of it. And the minimum cutoff there is 18 out of 36. If you have 18 out of 36, that means this match can go ahead. Um, so if you've seen on all these websites that you know, do show you a horoscope, math score, et cetera, on all these bars, matrimony, whatever, they give you a score. Um, and so based on that, people decide to go ahead or not. If you have a low score, they will try to see what aspect is not that great. You know, if you're doing well in a certain aspect, they'll still go ahead anyway, um, things like that. So that's what essentially the horoscope uh, matching thing does. Um, kind of predict the performance of a marriage uh, across various dimensions. Um, so, so yeah, but I see no reason for you to believe that piece of paper today or, or base your decision based on that piece of paper because there is plenty of opportunity for you to find out anyway on your own today, unlike let's say 100 years ago. Yeah, I, I agree. Again, for me, that's a bit, it's, it's, it's different and it's, um... It feels like, uh, I don't know, a replacement for the, the dating process and kind of trying to expedite it. And I, yeah. I want to get it, sorry, do you, do you have something to add? There? Yeah, I mean, that's the word, to expedite it. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's a bit, it's interesting for me. And it's, I want to talk about uh, dating now. So when people are getting arranged marriage, I, I believe today it's, it's not just, you know, you're put in a room and you just met them and now you're getting married. There's, there's kind of a, there's a in-between dating process, right? So yeah, for sure. is it, is it like if I meet someone, it's kind of implied that, you know, we could get married and let's see each other for a little bit of time or well, how kind of, how does the structure work? This is just like dating apps. It's just a different, really? a different name. That's it, right? Like the way I view dating or matrimonial apps is they're just social discovery platforms. This is where you meet uh, potential partners and you kind of figure out what you want to do. The only difference between the two is with matrimonial apps, in most of the cases, both of you know you want to be married eventually. 
like you're not opposed to the idea of being married. Um, and that is, you know, you're obviously on the platform to um, have a serious long-term relationship. So you just date like you date via dating apps. You meet different people, you see where this goes, you know, it's, it's pretty much like dating. Like you do everything that you do when you're dating. Yeah. There's just the, the idea that, yeah, this could go there. If it, if it leads that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so w let's say I'm filling out one of these, these matrimonial profiles or, or WhatsApp bios, uh, which I also found very interesting. Uh, what, what is asked of me? Like what, what are the kind of factors that I have to put down to, to see if I'm a good fit for somebody? Well, pretty much like a dating app. Like it's the exact it's same not stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's not different. Yeah, sure. You won't be putting pictures of you showing, I don't know, your chaddy line or something like that, <laughs> like people do <laughs> on dating apps. But <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. I guess the only additional information that matrimonial uh, profiles do give, which is kind of useful, is a little background about the family and things like that, um, mm -hmm. which, which helps build trust, right? You, you, like, it just helps you understand, you know, what kind of a family or what kind of a culture this person has grown up in. And you try to see if there is a sort of mutual fit because a lot of profiles are managed by parents and they are making a judgment um, on behalf of their son or daughter. And this kind of information is really helpful. And um, so that, that makes sense. And I think, you know, moving a little bit away from the, the shadi.coms and all this kind of stuff into the, the dating apps, the world of the dating mm -hmm. apps, you know, Bumble, Hinge, Tinder, yeah. they, these are the main ones. Do, do you often suggest people to get on these platforms? And if you do, do you kind of give them, you know, some guidelines while they're on saying, this is how you should use the app. This is the kind of people you should be talking to or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely recommend that people try dating apps. Uh, most people who come to me uh, are usually on these dating apps already. Um, there are some people who haven't tried it, but I definitely do recommend it to them just to get some practice around speaking to people of the opposite gender, right? Like just to, just to get a sense of what type of conversations you can have, what makes you comfortable, what doesn't make you comfortable just to get some exposure. Um, in terms of helping people figure out what kind of people to speak to, um, I don't do this exercise directly, but like whatever I told you about how we do this exercise on um, trying to figure out who you are and what helps you in building a comfortable relationship, people already kind of have internalized that and then you know they figure out who can, like who they can speak to. So I don't necessarily say hey go speak to this person go speak to that person on dating apps but i do that on matrimonial apps um there have been like a few cases where i have gone on the dating apps on behalf of my clients just to give them a sense of the type of people that they should talk to uh but that's just very rarely and and you you do it based on on these questions that you ask them can you can you give me a little bit of an insight into a few of the self-reflecting questions? Because I guess, you know, they, they, it doesn't have to be limited to marriage when you're trying to get somebody to open about open up about themselves and reflect. So what are kind of yeah. the stuff you, you have people ponder on? Um, 
for example, um, you know, one of the things that most people say in terms of what they want in a relationship is, um, funnily enough, is um, independence. Um, like they want freedom to be themselves outside of the relationship. And, you know, uh, and that usually comes from a place of them, let's say, for instance, there are some people who would have lived away from home from the time that they're 18. Um, and that is an integral part of who they are as an adult. Um, so when I find that they're having conversations with people who live with their parents, things like that, I, I nudge them to remember what's important to them and why it's important to them. Um, so things like that, like it's got nothing to do with the type of people that they meet, but it's got more to do with who you are and what could be important for you in a relationship. So that makes a lot of sense. And I think f for me and a, a lot of people, you're, you're right. Independence is, is so important because, you know, in, in a WhatsApp, like tech, text, call, it's so difficult to actually keep independent because, you know, the worst thing on WhatsApp is last seen at uh, this time, right? So if a message is sent and you didn't reply at that particular time, it's like, yo, dude, what are you doing? Like, do you like me or not? You know? Yeah. And it, it, yeah. it goes both ways. So hi, I, I, this, uh, I, I don't really know how to structure this question. Cause this is kind of a question for, for me. Cause I have it. Uh, <laughs> and it's weird to ask, is there like a cadence of kind of timing? <laughs> how often you think people should be talking? Because I don't think people should be talking every single day. Cause you will run out of things to say. Yeah. See, you know, um, I, I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna take a step back because you know a few days ago um, I I got on a dating I got on a dating app myself not for a client but you know on my own as my account um, you know not to date but to not have anybody in mind while I look at people's profiles and to just engage in the process right um, I found that you know I just kept swiping and swiping and swiping. After a while, I almost got irritated when I had a match because that meant that I had to type and I couldn't continue swiping. And I was like, this is, this is absurd. This is weird, right? And in the process, I also thought to myself, wait, I did right swipe on a few people, but I don't think I got a match from them. But then I can't remember who I right swiped on, I said. And I was like, this is sick. Because I remember, like, I don't know, like, you know, when I was 15, 16, I remember having, you know, this crush on a guy who I crushed for such a long time and just waiting to, you know, yeah. see him or having that crush reciprocated or not knowing whether he likes me back or not was such a rush that it had become a whole other person, this longing, right? Now I can't even remember who I, you know, crushed on, which is, which is insane, right? Which is absolutely insane. So these problems, like what is the cadence with which I must, you know, speak to somebody is, if you think about it, absurd, right? Uh, <laughs> but it's true that, you know, as we allow technology to sort of take over our lives, it is definitely shaping the way we fall in love. And it is a lot less human and it's a lot more robotic um, or machine-like. Um, and I think which is why it is so important for us to intervene and say, you don't need to act like a machine. If you enjoyed having a conversation with this person, 
you can talk to them all day long every day every night but if you're not feeling it it's okay to not talk to them it's okay to respectfully say this is not it like this is not happening have a nice life and move on yeah see i i i i get that but i also feel like for me you you can be in that place and then when you're talking to someone and it gets to the point where it's like oh what did you eat for dinner or you know what are you up to what are you up to if that question comes out it's like what's the point in that conversation you know it's just speaking for speaking sake do do you feel that or what do you think about oh, that oh yeah oh yeah i mean absolutely right like if you ever feel like you're speaking for the sake of speaking you should absolutely not continue that conversation but i i'm also conscious that this happens more often uh where you feel this way with so many people so it's like where do you stop like if i'm saying no to everybody like how do i even take this forward for myself right so which is why i tell people you know if there is an opportunity meet people don't text don't call if they're in the same city meet with them and if you still feel awkward and this is not going anywhere and you know you're not having an interesting conversation you know that's ended quickly after a point if you have this philosophy where you say i'm always going to meet this person within the first week of like matching with them you will not have enough time to meet people if you're being frivolous about it so um you know i think sometimes it's important to have some sort of philosophies or like principles when you're dating otherwise it can become really uh, mechanical yeah and i think um i want i want to touch on what you were talking about earlier too uh, i i've been on dating apps and it's sometimes you're like this is very incredible because i know people who've gotten married from dating apps yeah. and uh i I also feel like when I'm um on dating apps generally my happiness is lower. I I don't know what it is. I just feel like in general I think the idea of you know swiping on a human being like nope yes 100% based on looks. I think like most people 100% base it on looks and you're just like that, that it feels a little sick like you were saying it feels just I'm actually I'm I'm not even sure if it's about looks. I just feel like it's based on when your finger pains. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cuz I was swiping and you know obviously you know I'm not as adept at swiping as you know like a 16 year old today. So yeah. I just kept swiping and swiping and swiping. At one point I was like, "Oh shit, I saw somebody I knew in the previous like swipe and I swiped uh right on them on the next person." I was like, "Oh shit, I matched with the next person." Like <laughs> and that's when i thought to myself i'm not even stopping for a second to see their face properly like i'm not even looking at them like what am i doing it's 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 really weird and then i, I don't know just the whole process is like just, i don't i don't know it, but it's worked you know in the past it I've has it has i i think it has and i think um i would attribute that to luck um right I would I would say that you know some people obviously gotten lucky uh, enough to have not had to swipe a thousand times before they met someone interesting um but um, yeah I mean I do know people who who've met interesting people had tons of interesting conversations but one of the trends that I do hear very often from people is men on dating apps are less sure about wanting to be in a long term relationship when they're on a dating app 
they're potentially okay with that being an eventual outcome, but they're not necessarily there to start a long-term relationship, for instance. Women, generally speaking, are a bit more there to have a long-term relationship. I mean, with, this is a trend that I've you know, understood based on conversations with lots of people. And, and men are sick because I, I know guys who just like, they just swipe, right? They'll swipe on everybody. And then once the lights come in, they'll filter out who they actually want to talk to. So oh, really? I mean, yeah. I, I guess some people have the luxury of doing that, but I was trying to do this experiment where I was trying to see which city has a lot of women. Mm. Uh, if you're in Bangalore, I don't think men have the luxury of swiping and matching with 20 girls and picking two because I don't think so many women are available on yeah. So, yeah. No, but I've just Maybe seen bombing. guys. I've just seen yeah. guys do this. <laughs> <laughs> They're not even looking at the screen. <laughs> I'm just like, oh man, <laughs> that's, that's uh, not a great thing to do. Yeah. But, yeah. And okay, I, I want to get into this too because it's a question I have as well. When, when I've been on dating apps, um, you, how do you, how do you create conversation? Cause you're, you're just like, Hey, what's up? Cause you don't know this person, you know, at yeah. all. So how do you kind of, um, what do you do to create a little bit of conversation? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is the format makes it quite daunting, right? So there's this pressure of trying to be interesting. Whereas at the same time, you don't want to sound like you're trying too hard. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, right? You could just be as casual as saying, hey, how are you? Or uh, alluding to something that they've mentioned on their profile that caught your attention, which is why you, let's say, swiped right on them in the first place, right? Um, that, that helps you, uh, that helps make the conversation more engaging because they know that you took notice and it wasn't just because your finger hurt and you stopped at them. Uh, so, just letting the other person know, hey, I am curious about you is, is always helpful. Um, I know it's easier said than done with, with men because women do get a lot of messages and, you know, men have this added pressure of trying to be like more interesting. But like generally what I would say is if you're a remotely decent guy with, you know, a decent sort of profile, nothing too cheeky or shady, um, Likely the woman will respond if you're saying something that shows an interest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah that, it, it's, it's, it's very like, you know, like you said, I, I guess it is based on your profile. What kind of, uh, I, I, on some of these profiles, they like hinge, they ask you questions and then you yeah. have to respond to those questions. So I guess that yeah. gives you an insight into somebody's personality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, absolutely. Uh, because I, I I mean, having said that, right, like I, I, I'm also aware a lot of, you know, guys have told me this where they try to ask girls these questions based on, you know, what they've said on their profile, whereas, you know, girls can be super sort of rude or sound very disinterested and that pushes off guys and they're a little bit scared about how to make conversation that is also there. But then you know, you just have to hope for the best, right? Like just because it's happened to you a couple of times does not mean all women out there are like bitches or. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think, I think you, from what I've learned from, from using these apps, it's you, you just have to use it 
in a healthy manner. They're built to addict you. Yeah. They're trying to get you on the platform as much as possible. They do that thing where you're out of swipes so that you are like craving to get back on the platform. Right. Understand that these people are trying to mess with your mind a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So you, you use it in a, uh, you know, in the manner that it can actually be helpful for your life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, believe me, if, if I had the power to actually change the way we could love, I would do it already. Like, cause I, it just makes me so uncomfortable. What, what, what do you mean by like, what would you do if you could do something? Um, I mean, I obviously tried doing something about it. Um, um, but obviously at a very small scale, um, during the pandemic, I ran an experiment called dinner club, which was a virtual blind dating project where I set people up on blind dates virtually where they have no information about the person that they're meeting, except like a one line sort of bio that I write about the other person at the time that they get the date invite. So they don't choose the people that they meet, but they just meet the people on a video call and speak for 30 minutes and then decide whether they want to meet again or not. So I ended up organizing over hundred dates or over two months. Um, and 40% of them resulted in second dates with the same person. And I kind of did this experiment because I felt like people don't want to spend even two seconds trying to get to know somebody before they reject them. What, you know, can we stop this? Can we get people to be a bit more open and curious to try and find out about the other person before they decide whether they can do anything with this person, right? So obviously this, you know, I did this at a very small scale, but I feel like this left me feeling hopeful that there is still hope. Uh, but, you know, obviously um, if I had the power or the power in the world to get everybody out there constantly somewhere to do this, I would do this every day of my life. Wow. So are you going to continue to do this or, or what, what is, what's your plan with it? Um, I hope to kind of do this in bursts uh, because I feel like that's also part of it where this happens at a time where people can't always be on it. I don't want it to be an addictive experience. I want it to be an experience that happens once in a while where they're like, Hey, dinner club's happening. Okay. Let's sign up and see what's going to happen with us. Um, so yeah, I want to try and keep it as unpredictable um, and as serendipitous as possible. Um, but yeah, obviously it takes away a lot of my time from my work, <laughs> but um, I enjoy doing it. So hopefully the next time I have a bit more time, I'll do it again. Cool. So everybody swipe responsibly and look up for dinner club invites. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, I think honestly, I, I've learned so much from this conversation and I, I've really enjoyed it. I, I want to ask you one final thing. Uh, so if you, if you had any advice, it can be a guy or a girl um, who, who you're looking to get more serious with their life. What, what's that or in terms of finding someone? Yeah. What's that one thing that you would tell them that kind of works for everybody that they should start to do before moving forward? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think this varies a lot depending on what age you are. Uh, and I'll start, you know, as early as when you hit puberty, right? You hit puberty, you're obviously experiencing a lot of new sort of emotions and feelings, your hormones are acting up. 
if you find that you know you're a lot more perceptive to certain things that you previously were not and you want to experiment uh, please do so and do so as responsibly as possible as a young adult um, to really explore those feelings to really you know um, see where this takes you right because it's important it's important to uh, pay attention um, and to not shove that away saying okay you know till I complete my education or till I get a job I'm not gonna try and find a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever um, it's okay it's healthy it's a part of life um, start to really understand uh, people that you fancy or genders that you fancy um, and you know when you feel old enough responsible enough to be able to emotionally be responsible for another adult um, it is okay to start having serious relationships and relationships are a lot of work um, and only when you feel really ready for it um, should you sort of jump into it um, and I think for any relationship to work respect is really important and commitment is really important um, everything else becomes secondary so if you find yourself in a place where you feel like you're ready for that step um, I would say go out there and meet people uh, dating apps are fine but try to expand your own sort of personal network of people who could potentially bring you closer to someone you could likely get along with so well that you can you know spend a long time uh, with that person yeah and i think i think thank you for that i think that's an amazing place to wrap up priyanka i i just want to ask you one final thing where can people learn more about you and if they're interested in your services where, where can they go yeah, uh, so I've got a website, it's marriagebrokerauntie.com. That's N-A-R-I-A-G-E-V-R-O-K-E-R-A-U-N-T-I-E.com. Um, there's, you know, every, like, um, in, like information about my Facebook and Instagram and Twitter pages and so on. So, you know, they can reach me any of these places. Well, wonderful. And thank you to everybody for tuning into this episode of the Next Move podcast. If you have any questions for Priyanka, Make sure to leave them in the comment section below and I will send them over to Priyanka and we will get back to you. And yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and see you guys in the next one. Thank you.